And now, it's time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts, Nick Federico, Scott DeBell, and Joe Bruno. All right. I know we're a little late. I apologize. Sorry. We're horrible hosts. We're not consistent. We stink. Just kidding. You're here because you love us. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Just Nick and Scott here today as uh, I was alone last week. Everybody abandoned me. So uh, I am now joined by my comrade, my pal, my best pal, Scott, Joe is not here. I really don't know why. Hi, pal. How you doing? Hello. 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 You know, now now that I'm, now that we're here doing this, I know we've like we've always done podcasts here, but like this is like the original. Like this is the start. This is, yeah. This is like the We're not in the back room where we normally used right. to do it, but you know. Right. This is the uh the origins. Yeah. The old uh if you're a diehard fan. Remember the old NSP sports podcast yes. days? Wow. Sometimes I go back and listen to those and I cringe. <laughs> Don't do that if you're listening to this. Do not. Do wow. That. The technology uh, has since upgraded. It has. Hugely. It has. It has. Hugely. But I uh, missed you last week. Um, yeah, I was on the... Uh, what was I doing? I forget. I don't know. Well, it doesn't matter. But anyway, we have a busy, busy day. We do. We have a loaded show for you. Loaded. Uh, Absolutely loyal listeners. Absolutely loaded. NBA playoffs, Knicks and Nets, both of our teams. I went through game one. You are happy. I am not. Uh, it seems like the normal everyday thing for us. Uh, <laughs> I'm not happy, and you are quite thrilled with your basketball team. No, I've been very happy with my team. And uh, we got a lot of Yankees, a lot of Mets to talk about as uh, the Mets are absolute misfits, and uh, we don't even know who's playing for them right now. So uh, let's get started. I guess let's just get this out of the way. Last night, what time is it? 8.30? Okay, everyone around this town wants to start with the Knicks. Can we start with the Nets, please? Can can we start it off with a win and then we'll go in chronological it, order isn't too? It, isn't it good to end with the good, the positive? You know what? You can you do know whatever what? you want. You know what, pal? You are just a part of this. You know, we're equals here. If you want to start off with the Nets, and it makes sense. You know, chronological order. All right, all right. <laughs> Let's start with the Brooklyn Nets. How you feel, pal? You gotta feel good. Yeah, I mean, the Nets couldn't have played a worse first half. Absolutely true. Uh, shooting one for eleven from the three point line. Um, you know, a, as it was said in the post game press conferences too, by you know KD, James Harden mentioned it. I think Kyrie mentioned it too. Especially James Harden, he said that he was kind of thrown off by the fans, and that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. He was just saying like. You know, they've played without them for two-plus seasons now. That's kind of strange, though, don't you think? Like, these guys have been playing in front of fans, like, all their life. Yeah, but they haven't done it in, like, two me. years. Like, now you know, they're used to the new normal of, you know, not having any fans. I guess. And, you know, I, I think that adds to the nerves. It adds to the excitement. You could just see that I, I especially thought James Harden had a pretty eh start. I mean, I know he had, like, six assists in the first quarter, but he had a lot of turnovers. He was playing a lot of hero ball, a lot of ISO. I felt like Kyrie didn't get the ball at all in the first, you know. He had the most quiet 29 points ever. Yeah, like it, it was unbelievable that he had 29. Yeah, I'm with you there. But you know, I just felt like, I think I texted you this at one point too, that like I feel like Kyrie hasn't touched the ball at all, and it was like the second quarter. Um, you know, I couldn't believe KD started out with a quick eight points. It, like, it was just a really bad start. And, you know, credit to the Celtics, they came out. They played really good defense to start. Um, Tatum couldn't miss in the beginning. Yeah, you know, he was aggressive right off the bat going to the basket. The fact they only held him to 22, I'm kind of shocked. Well, so... That's like a win for them. Yeah, let's start off with the defense. I think you texted me after the game and said, oh, 
I don't think the defense was all, or you said something about the defense not being, you know, good, and I thought the defense was very good the other night. First half especially not good. But was it, though? They only, they gave up 53 points. I kind of look at it as, I don't, I can, you know what, because not being a fan of the Nets, I look past this series and, like, already, like, I'm like, they're winning this series. So I'm looking forward already, and I'm thinking, like, you're going to go up against Milwaukee, Philadelphia, like, is this... Below, slightly below, maybe slightly average defense going to get you by in rounds two and three. I understand the whole storyline is the Nets outscore teams. Totally understand that. It's been the whole mantra all season long. But defense does now play a factor. This is the playoffs. We, we know the playoffs are a completely different game than regular season. We can agree to that, right? Yeah. Like, defense is going to matter down the stretch. That, so I'm kind of looking at, like, they're going to win this series against Boston. Whether it's a sw- I think they're going to sweep. You think like five? You said five or six. Five or six. I think Tatum can at least steal one game yeah. himself. I think defense is going to play a huge factor. I know the Celtics are missing guy. I know they're missing Jalen Brown. It's huge. But um, if they keep Tatum at bay, I think you know they do have a good shot at sweeping. But as far as I'm looking forward, I'm already looking forward. I'm looking past Boston. If I'm a Net fan, I mean it's kind of hard not to. Like I know you want to take him one game at a time, but it's kind of hard not to over shoot the Celtics a little bit just because how beaten up they are. But I'm more worried about rounds two and three. Yeah, I mean, I think from a Celtics perspective, they kind of gave the Nets their best shot. Yeah. And they still lost by 11. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the first half we mentioned it was it was bad. You know, the Nets started 0 for 10 from three. I think Joe Harris finally got them on the board from the three-point mm-hmm. line. In the second quarter, I think it was late in the second quarter. Um, they were all, the Celtics were also beaten, like... KD had, what, 16 in the first half? Yeah, and they kind of they beat him up a little bit in the first half. Little, you know, he, may, he had that horrible fall where yeah. we all held our breath and was like, oh, dear. I don't know how he didn't snap his I don't arm either. or dislocate his shoulder on that. I really do not. Yeah. Uh, but first half, you know, Tatum had 16. You know, kind of defending him was a little bit of an issue in the first half. But also, we didn't mention yet. I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this yet. The officials, horrible. They were horrible. Horrendous. And this wasn't just for the Nets. It was for both sides. Right. Like... It started off with those two horrible offensive foul calls. It was against uh, Joe Harris and Harden, I think. Harden had one, and yeah, I think it was Joe Harris. But, you know, we'll jump into the second half just for the foul sake. Mm. That reckless closeout on Kevin Durant. What does that even not mean? not supposed to play basketball anymore. What does that even mean? He was literally trying to contest the shot. Like, it's like, I don't understand. But back to the first half. It's not like he did it on purpose. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but you have to credit the Celtics defensively in the first half because I think the like, the Nets, I can't even remember a lot of open shots the Nets even had in that first no. half. The Nets, you know, couldn't make a contested shot. They couldn't make any shot. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was just, you could tell that they had the long layoff. They hadn't played for a week. Um, you could tell that they were, you know, really rearing to go. They mm-hmm. they couldn't wait. You know that that excitement playing in front of fifteen thousand fans at Barclays Center. Um, it's really the first time. The f- it's the first time the Big Three has played. Well, Kyrie has played in front of fans, but it's the first time that Durant has played in front of Brooklyn fans, other than like you know fifteen hundred or whatever. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. The first half was you know bad. I thought it was a win that they you know got out of the first half, only down six. Um, and then, you know, starting out the second half, that 11-0 run was, you know, the game right there. Yeah, that's once, what, but that's once, what kind of put the game away a little once bit. Once they went on that 11-0 run and took the lead, I think the closest the Celtics ever got was three. And, you know, Tatum didn't have a field goal 
made in the in the second half. Mm-hmm. You could see the Nets really, you know, bought into the defensive side of the ball. Um, I remember that one turnover they had where KD had that fast break slam. I think that put them up double digit points. Um, you know, you could see their buy in on the defensive end, and you know, Nick Claxton makes a big difference on that too. Statistically, the Nets are the most efficient defensive team in the league when Nick Claxton's on the floor. Five, so, it's like he made an impact. He, I mean, not on the scoreboard, but he had five rebounds. So I mean, like, uh, and he's a defensive presence too. He's a big body that they that they kind of need there. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking forward ahead, if they do eventually get to a seventy six or series series in an Eastern Conference Finals, I think Nick Claxton could be a really big contributor because he's going to be the one that has to guard Joel Embiid. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to stop Joel Embiid. You're only going to contain you know, hope to contain him. Like, yeah, but I think Nick Claxton will be a really big. Uh, a really big part of trying to contain him along with, you know, double teams and, mm. you know, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, all in all, I think the Celtics, you know, really gave them their best shot. Um, and the Nets, you know, came out on top. I think tomorrow night's going to be – I think the Nets are going to start really hot tomorrow night. Think so? I, I, I think the, they're, they're – you know, they have a game under their belts. They saw – Steve Nash mentioned it too when they do, like, those wired-up coaches or whatever. Mm-hmm. He said – Guys, we're not making anything. They're making everything. Like, we're only down however much. Like, it's not going to stay this way. Just keep playing our game. Eventually, our shots will fall, will fall, and eventually they'll start missing. And, you know, what happened? The, the Celtics started missing. You know, the Nets started hitting their open shots. I think the Nets, you know, Je- Jeff Green had a couple in particular in the second half where he was wide open in the corner, and they just didn't fall. So it was really a case of the entire game where the Nets – Missed a lot of shots they probably could hit, and the Nets only scoring 104 points. That's kind of low for them. I mean, they shot eight for 34 from three. They were very efficient from the free throw line, 26 mm-hmm. of 29. They shot oh, just over 41 percent from the field overall. But the big thing is, and I know I brought this up to you, and you said that you didn't think this was much of a, a concern or whatever. But the Nets have been a team that gives up a lot of offensive rebounds. And to out-rebound the Celtics 50-40, to 40, um, especially 14-11 to 11 on the offensive glass and then 36-29 on the defensive uh, side of the ball, I think that's a really big thing for the Nets. That they I did, think... That they... Also, I think this also contributes. The Celtics didn't really, you know, push the offensive glass that much. Like Celtics also don't have any real big men. Like I mean, Rob guys. Williams was in the game for how long? Mm. I mean, we, we do have to mention him, Rob Williams. Him coming off his turf toe... Played you know, 23 played, minutes. Played through it, had nine blocks, nine rebounds, 11 points. He was fantastic. Mm. The Nets are going to have to figure out a way to, you know, get him outside of, like, any sort of on-ball defense. They're going to have to try and go away from him. And Also uh, didn't know Jabari Parker still was in the league. <laughs> at one point, Jabari Parker had more threes than the Nets did, so yeah, in the first half. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, what about what about the Nets bench a little bit? Like, I know, like, when Kyrie, when the big three's putting up, like, 30 each, it really don't matter, but... I don't know, Bruce, I, Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown, I guess you depend on for defense, right? Like that's uh, that's more of his deal. Him and Landry Shamit really brought here. Like Shamit's a three and D guy, mm. and yeah, I, I think him is him specifically. Bruce Brown is a guy who you just know is going to give you know his all on both sides of the floor. Mm-hmm. He's going to be where he needs to be. Remember that one play where Kyrie got doubled, well above the three point line. It was kind of around half court. Bruce Brown came to the free throw line, then he kicked it out for a three. Mm-hmm. Like, Bruce Brown is guarding guys who are six inches taller than him. Like, Bruce Brown is just a guy that, you know, 
embraces what he is and he plays his role well. And that's a guy that I think is going to be very valuable for this team coming off the bench. He played 18 minutes. Um, what, what I did think was interesting was that Blake Griffin barely got any playing time in the second half. Um, he's just kind of here for the ride, I think. Yeah, but I, I think at some points he's going to be able to play valuable minutes. Like, he can hit down a shot occasionally, which I didn't know. really know Blake Griffin had a three-point shot in, in his arsenal. But I think him that was and, the, I think that was developed more later in his career. Yeah, I mean, I think him and Jeff Green are kind of interchangeable. Like, if one guy's having a good night, he's going to play more. Mm-hmm. Like... Jeff Green gave you some valuable minutes, played 27 minutes. He only gave you three points. I think he he could have, you know, um, had more had he knocked down his open shots. But, you know, just looking at the plus-minuses, Landry Shamit is a D, 3 and D guy. He was minus 14. Yeah. Joe Harris was a plus 22. Jeff Green was a plus 14. Kyrie was a plus 16. So, you know, we, we haven't even really talked about James Harden. I think he's this team's... Uh, Facilitator. Yeah, he's this he's the guy that makes this team go, and mm-hmm. we didn't even really mention James Harden, and they still won the game. Because like, I, I think both... I think you say both Kyrie and Harden had... I wouldn't... I, I don't want to say quiet because they both, like, two reasons why they won the game. But as far as Kyrie goes, very, like, very quiet 29 points. Very, like... Yeah, it just didn't really uh, seem like he was a part of the game like that much. Yeah, it, it was weird. Except when he's made well, well, when he did touch the ball, he made making those yeah, wild I mean, plays. Evan Fournier's ankles might yeah. still be on the Barkley Center court, picking up picking up his dribble on the baseline there in the beginning of the game. That was that was wild. Uh, as far as you know, I'll admit, as far as I was uh, was jealous in the beginning. I, I like watching this Nets team. I will I will admit that they're they're an entertaining team to watch. And for anybody who doesn't think that, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I mean, just just like. The Nets built this thing the right way, and I Correct. know people don't like the super teams and all that crap, but but they built their way to a super team. Sean Marks has done a phenomenal job. We were going through all the Nets teams before because for fun, because <laughs> on the uh, John Dostromsky, we love you, but you know your podcast and your listeners that send in voicemails are insufferable, aka the Knicks fans. And one guy today, with his daughter crying right in the phone, <laughs> was like, "Oh." Again, with the whole Nets-Knicks, oh, we have more fans. Sick, you lost your first game, and we won. So I'd rather win basketball games that have more fans. But Cool. Um, um, he was talking about, like, oh, you know, the Nets fans that are around for the Izod Center days and can, you know, point out Kerry Kittles and, you know, all those guys. You know, I feel happy for you, but there's none of you. So we decided to go through all the Nets players, you know, like Nanad Kristich and Johan Petro and Jordan Farmar and E.G. Anthony and Morrow. E.G. and Leanne. Like, I can name you all of them, and, you know, I'm here. So, to you, dude, go screw. <laughs> and make sure the next time you send in a voicemail, your daughter's not crying right in the phone. You can send one to us. Phone line's sure open. You, make sure your daughter's not crying in the phone. Phone line is open, always. Um, game two. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Mm. Wait, can I talk about something quick, too, before we move on? It's our podcast. You do whatever you want. The fact that Celtics fans at one point thought that Kemba Walker was better than Kyrie. Mm. How does that feel now? (laughs) Kemba Walker was a minus 21. 15 points. He shot 5 for 16. Kyrie was a plus 16. Kemba was a minus 21. And you want to tell me that at one point you thought Kemba Walker was better than Kyrie? I never said that. Oh, I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> I'm with you. But that's, sheesh, you might have to reevaluate how you look at talent there, uh, Boston Celtics <laughs> fans. 
Danny Ainge. Sheesh. <laughs> oh man. All right. So, um, were you ha- were you satisfied with the with the crowd that showed up? I know we're talking about fans and buildings again, but it's important. We're getting to and we're getting to a, a time now where a lot of fans are going to be in the stands now. You impressed with how many fans were there and uh, and all that stuff? I mean, everyone's like, "Oh, James Harden had to pay for half the tickets to get all the fans there." But, I think that was a great thing to do. Yeah, it was a nice gesture, you know, something that the Knicks owner doesn't know anything about. But, um, listen, they would have sold out. No, like, they would have sold out even if James Harden didn't pay for the tickets. Like, it was just a nice thing to do. And people want to turn that into, "Oh, the Nets have no fans. No one would have went." The only reason why it was sold out is because James Harden paid for half of them. I thought. See, yes, the garden was electric last night, but I'm convinced MSG cranks that crowd volume. Because there were a TNT, lot of there. TNT, in any arena, it never seems that loud. I don't think TNT has the natural crowd volume up as high as what MSG had last night. There were a lot of people there, though. There was, but like. Obviously, Barclays Center, and was, it was a whole half of the building too. Like, kinda, I'm not kinda, saying I'm not saying it was it was. I understand bad. I'm just saying I think Barclays Center was very loud too. Probably was not as loud as the Garden, but um, I you know I think it was good. It shows that Nets fans you know. Care is it about, enough? Is it enough where like home court advantage like matters? I think, think? so. I think so. Yeah. I mean. Someone, I forget who JJ had on his podcast before, but they said that, you know, home court advantage could sometimes be a bad thing because of the added pressure, and they thought that's what happened to the Knicks last, like, it kind of hurt the Knicks last night, but. I could see that. Um, Yeah, I thought the fans were good, you know, 15,000, you could see that they were, you know, there were Brooklyn chants all night long, defense, mm-hmm. like, in the beginning especially, you could just feel like the, the, uh. Just energy, yeah, the energy in the building. We, I, we had one of our friends at the game too, and yeah. I, you know, forgot to ask how he thought the atmosphere was, but I'm sure he was quite, quite good pleased seats too. It. Yeah, lower he bowl did. seats, in it. Very good. Oh, I want to go. <laughs> but vax me up, baby. <laughs> you know, notice how there was no Nick suck chance in Brooklyn, but you know, Nick's yeah, fans, know, Nick's fans aren't obsessed that. with the Nets, or uh, yeah, that's right. Knicks fans aren't obsessed with the Nets, but they start their own playoff game with a Brooklyn sucks chant. But you're not obsessed. Listen, I don't speak for all Knicks fans, but Knicks fans are turning into large hypocrites. I try and be as even keel as I can. I'm sorry you have to get ra- like riled into my Knicks fandom hatred because I know you're not like most of them. Mm. But oh. I'm about to act like most of them in about a minute or so. Or actually, let's get into it now. I sat here. Last night, a little over, a little over twenty four hours ago, probably about this time, uh, probably around like the beginning of the third quarter, probably about this time. And man, oh, like so good! First of all, so good to see the Knicks back in the playoffs for the first time in eight years. All good, all well. But once the ball tipped, my heart started racing, and I was like, I don't know if I can handle this. I really don't know if I can do it, because, and this would be a pattern all game long. So back and forth. All one of the most honestly one of the most entertaining basketball games I've watched in quite some time. But when it comes down to it, the game as a whole, the Knicks did not play their brand of basketball and stick to what they know. Like all night long. And you and you were here sitting sitting with me, so you know, you could vouch for all the things I'm about to say. The Hawks had all day and night going to the rim. All 
night long. The Knicks looked like they could not defend the pick and roll. They looked like an they looked like a rec league basketball team on defense in the beginning of the game. They tightened it up a little bit in the second half, but they could not defend the pick and roll to save their life. John Collins was going up for lobs all day. Capella had 13 rebounds in the game. I felt like I felt like the Knicks at the end of the night were out rebounded by a lot. The Knicks actually won the rebound battle last night. Uh, to my surprise, no, I had no idea. Tommy's looking at me like, "Are you sure about that? Are you really sure you can read those numbers right?" I am, but I'm surprised as hell by that. They were just it looked like they were just getting bullied in the paint all night long, and it didn't help when Nerlens Noel came out and later in the game did not help me whatsoever, but. They were exposed, like, and even when they tried their best to contain on the inside a little bit, then the Hawks go, all right, we're just going to pop it out to, I don't want to butcher, is, is Bogdanovich? I don't even know. Bogdanovich, that's his name? Yeah. Bogdan. Kick, they kicked it out to him, no problem. Every time this guy took a three, the ball coming out of his hands, I go, it's going in. And most of the time it did. He was he was pretty good from three-point range last night. But... And, and to top it all off, they just, I, to be honest with you, and to be frank, they weren't ready for Trey Young. They were not ready for him whatsoever. I, I don't know what it is. The guy looks like a freaking troll doll. Can't he, I can't stand this guy. He's become a villain. I can't wait for game two. I'm going to pump him. Oh, grinds my gears already. Do you, can I ask you a question? Yes, you may. Do you partly blame Knicks fans for the way he played last night? Because he did absolutely nothing wrong. What do you mean? For how he acted after the game, no. you mean? He did absolutely nothing wrong in the beginning of the game. He was just, yes, people don't like the way he plays fine. I, I, I'm i not a huge fan of it either. He play, he plays like he's a little baby. Yeah, he does. That's the, And that's but the main motive, I think. Knicks fans, before he does anything in the game, already chanting F. Trey Young. I think that's more of a general basketball thing, not a Knicks fan thing. Yeah, but then not he goes... Not a lot goes, of people like this guy. But then he goes into... He goes into his post-game press conference and says, oh, I thrive off the, you know, I, I look forward to hearing the FU chants again the other night. Like, that I just guess, adds, I mean, it just seemed like it added motivation that, you know. I think it was half, I think it was half, like. Seemed kind of I think unnecessary. Cr- I think the crowd was just kind of excited to be there. So it, root it, it, for it, your it, own team. I uh, You know how New York fans Instead are. Of like, cheating, you know, Brooklyn like, I can't sucks and that. F Trey Young. Root for your own team. I mean, they were all night. It's not like that was an like it, it happened one time during the game. So I'm I'm not gonna complain. I don't know. It was definitely more than once. I feel like. Uh, May I don't know. I don't know if I could really play because I agree that not a lot of basketball fans like him. No, I think that's a general the, basketball thing, not a Nick fan thing. If if you get what I'm saying. I do, but I, I think the Knicks fans kind of added fuel to the fire. But I also think Trey Young didn't help himself by shushing the crowd at the end of the game. No, that's what's going to make it. That, that's what made him a villain last night. He was. They made him a villain before by tr- tr- chanting F Trey Young before he yeah, even but, did anything. But when as a as a Nick fan, seeing that last night, the the shushing and all and all that crap, you know, as a fan, like I don't, I don't give it. I don't you know. At the beginning of the game, I care less because you don't know what he's going to do. It's after the fact of what he did during the game, and then. You know, hitting the hitting the last second shot with nine tenths of a second left, and then shushing the crowd. Now you're a villain. Now that's what I thought. Now, now he's now now he's setting himself up to be the villain for this whole series. Because to, to me, I sat there and I was like, and you were right. 
I was like, he's like, you're gonna hate Trey Young by the end of the series. It's game one. I want to rip the guy's freaking head off. Like it's, and to be honest with you, I don't watch the Hawks a lot. Really don't. Really don't care to. I watch my own team. That's what I do. But man, you were you were you were on the money there, pal. But they the were. Way he d- plays is just like. It's just the modern NBA. Prep school stuff. No, but it's just the modern NBA. Like anything, like that R.J. Barrett foul that was called on him towards the end of the game in the fourth quarter. That's a foul in the modern NBA now because of the way guys play. Yeah. I don't know, but bottom line was the Knicks were just not ready. Like whoever was out there on the floor just could not do anything. Randall was horrible. I'm getting to that. Don't worry. It's just so frustrating because Julius Randall – Played his worst game of the year. And he couldn't have picked a worse time to do so. Like, he knew... And the worst part was the whole thing. He knew he wasn't playing well. So, he just decides to, like, freeze up. And totally hesitate in spots where he could have just pulled up and shot. Where, you know, I'd be okay with him shooting. Even though he's at an off game... I'd be okay with him shooting the ball because that's the guy you that's the guy you want with the ball in their hands. But he has it he was so hesitant in some spots. He, you know, he probably he passed too much a little bit in the second half. He just did not have any confidence in his shot last night. And I understand why. I mean, he was freaking six from twenty three from the field and two for six from three. I totally understand why he wouldn't be confident in his shot, but shooters shoot. Like just like and he and he's the guy. He, he's the reason the Knicks are where they are right now. So he he needs to just he's gonna figure he's gonna figure it out. I'm okay with that, but he that was not a spot for him to be hesitant. I don't know what you think, but like when it comes to a star, and I know it's hard for you because you have three stars and you know luxury of that. But when a star like doesn't have confidence in his shot, and that's the thing I was concerned about going in. I talked about it last week uh, on the pod uh, on my own. If Randall was gonna have an off game. Who was going to step up for the Knicks? A little bit of Alec Burks, a little bit of Derrick Rose, but all in all, no one really stepped up to put the Knicks over the edge. If Julius Randle has a slightly better game, maybe makes two or three more shots than he did, the Knicks win this game. They do. And I'm not just going to blame him. Yeah, Julius Randle is the one to, you know, put all... Put all the blame, I guess you want to say, because he had an off night. He's the star. He's going to get all the blame and all the glory when they win and whatnot. But, I mean, R.J. Barrett wasn't awesome last night either. He had some explosive, nice plays to the rim. You know, me and Tommy were talking about, you know, R.J., his his game is going to the rim. His strength is going to the rim. He's not an outside shooter, and he proved that last night. He made a couple – He I think he made he made one three last night, one for six. Like, he, that's just not his game. And that's what I've been saying all year long. But R.J. Barrett was the guy that needed, you know, that the Knicks needed to step up if Julius Randle was going to have an off game. And he didn't do that. But the the other thing, too, is once Nerlens Noel came out of the game, defensively, the Knicks were screwed. Like, you put Taj Gibson in there, fine, all good. I hope Nerlens Noel is okay. I haven't heard anything back yet. But he's a focal point now in that defense. And, I, and they, they need him going forward. But Alec Burks, too, the only reason the Knicks were in this game in the, in the second half. 18 points in the fourth quarter. you got to be kidding me. The guy couldn't miss. Three-point ball, Alec Burks. But, yeah, Burks and then, and then Derrick Rose, too, coming off the bench. Uh, do you have something to say? Because I have, I have a rant prepared. What? About? 
Oh, about uh, Alfred Payton starting. I have some criticisms of Tom Thibodeau. But sure, they're about the end of the game, so we'll okay. we'll we'll get there eventually. How Alfred Payton started this game is beyond me. I know he started point. I know he started all year long. Totally understand. He is so useless. It's it's almost laughable. He played eight minutes last night. He played the opening four minutes, and then Tibbs was like, "Yeah, I've seen enough. I'm gonna put Derrick Rose in and play Derrick Rose for 38 minutes." Like, what? what is even the point of playing Alfred Payton? There's been no point at all for him to play at all this season. If he suits up again for this team, I'm going to explode. And you know what? Because the Knicks love to play with my emotions, he's probably going to start game two. Because it's fine. Because we're going to put out a point guard that goes 0 for 3 from the field and plays 8 minutes and just absolutely sucks all season long. But horrible. I'm not saying start Emmanuel quickly. I'm not, but like... <sighs> Never understood. Alfred Payton should never, ever play for the New York Knicks ever again. That's all I have to say. And all Knicks fans agree with me because he is the worst. Horrible. Horrible. You want to criticize Tibbs a little bit? Yeah. Okay. I think his late game management was not very good. One, you bring Frank off the bench. I know he's supposed to be this defensive specialist, you bring Frank off the bench. He hasn't been on the floor the entire game. He's sat there for 47 minutes and 50 seconds the entire game. And you put him on to double Trey Young. I think that was that was a mistake. And obviously, if it works out, he looks like a hero when he looks like you know he was a genius and he knew exactly what he was doing. But it didn't work out. You let Trey Young go to the basket on his right hand and he finishes, and you know, that's the game right there. But another one. You have .9 seconds left. Obviously, it's hard to get a good shot here. But you don't even give yourself a chance. First, you put Alec Burks in to inbound the ball. Your hottest shooter the entire game. You put Alec Burks in to inbound the ball. Second, I don't know if this is on Alec Burks or this is the play he drew up, but you can't throw out, You can't inbound the ball to a guy with his back to the basket there. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even remember. Who he, who did he inbound the ball to? Was Randall. it Julius? Like your hottest shooter inbounds to your coldest shooter. That, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it was, it was a horrible. I like I said, I don't know if that was Alec Burks inbounding. First of all, it was a horrible, horrible pass from Alec Burks. Terrible. He didn't have to throw it that high. I mean, there were defenders in the in front of him there, but the fact that you drew something up, and an, even an option was to have Julius there to have his back to the basket and have to turn. You can barely get a normal shot off in point nine seconds, let alone turn around, pivot, and shoot. Yeah. No, I agree, I agree with you on that end, on the whole inbound pass that you're stupid. I'm going to be a little bit of the minority. I'm not going to kill Tibbs for Frank. I'm really not. Because when you think about it, who else are you going to put on him? You're going to put Alfred Payton out there? No. You're going to put Manuel Quickly out there? No. You're going to put Derrick Rose out there? No. Frank Nielkin is there... I finally realized that Frank Nielakina actually has a purpose on this team, and it's only to play defense. I understand he played a total of one minute. I totally understand it. The criticism is totally warranted. I under- it wasn't I like- even one minute. It was like ten seconds. Yeah, it was. To- the The criticism is warranted. I get it. You know, the the guy's been sitting on the bench for the whole entire game, and then you decide to put him in in the most important time. I totally understand it. But who else are you going to put out there? Really? Nerlens Noel, your best defender right now, out with an injury. Who's your second best defender on this team? Frank Nilekina. 
As sad as that sounds, it's true. As re- I really, that does sound sad. You could argue Taj Gibson maybe, but Taj Gibson's slower than molasses. He's not going to, like, Trey Young is going to blow right past him. He blew right past Frank anyway. But at least you gave him a chance because Frank's like a, Frank's a pain in the ass defender at times. He can he gets a little poked there every once in a while and then you're on your way. But I'm not going to kill Tibbs for that. For I'm not, I'm really not going to. I don't think I can because, you know, maybe how I could criticize Tibbs on how he handled Frank's time. Maybe you give him a little more time earlier in the fourth quarter so, you know, he's not completely ice cold in the game when you have to put him in in that moment. But but you can make that argument. Everybody's going to have their different opinion. But to me, that was the right guy to put in that situation. And it was really the only guy they put in that situation. Yeah. Like, like I said, it w- you could see it both ways. Like Yeah, like I said, if if it worked out, it would have looked like a genius and yeah. Frank would have been a hero. But I think it also doesn't help that Frank is not well-liked among the, uh, the Knicks fan base. I hate to say, like, after one game, it's already a must-win. If they don't it's win, one hundred percent a must. If they win. don't win Wednesday. It's their. That's not a screw. stretch. It's not. Absolutely not. But because normally they say, "Oh, it's not a series until the home team loses." Well, it's a series. The Knicks is the home team lost the game one. It's a series, and, and it was going to be a series anyway. Like this was going to go six or seven. What just happened? I'm not watching the TV. What just happened? No, the Islanders tied it oh, up. Good, but but. Yeah. Another point, too, if Al- think about this. If Alec Burks doesn't have that big fourth quarter, the Hawks win this game going away. Yeah. And like, it's... The Knicks missed their opportunity when they were... They could have went up, like, 10 in the third quarter. The Hawks couldn't make anything. And then freaking Lou Williams comes in off the bench and scores, like, eight straight. And majestic. Like oh, he hits those two threes, and then I think he opened the fourth quarter, um, or he came out of a timeout in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and hit a... Uh, and then, you know, added another two-pointer. And that was, like, the run that got the Hawks back into it, and it, it got the Hawks believing they could, you know, win the game again because the Garden got really quiet. It was kind of after the R.J. Barrett dunk. They called timeout, and then Lou Williams came in and yeah. got that got that run started. But, yeah, it was kind of like the Celtics against the Nets the other night. The Celtics missed a golden opportunity to go up double-digit points and have a 15, 20-point lead, but they didn't take advantage of it, and the Knicks didn't do that either, and... You know, if that third quarter, the Knicks hold more of an advantage, I think we're talking about a different situation here. The game was lost in the third quarter for the Knicks, in my opinion. Even though they they were leading pretty much the entire quarter, and, uh, you know, they I'm pretty sure they had a lead at the end of the third quarter. They I think they lost in the third quarter by not upping their lead more. Because they really could have killed the Hawks off. Yeah. Yeah, they could have. Uh like, no one could hit anything, and then Lou Will just comes in and knocks down those two threes. It's just the thing that frustrates me the most, I said it already, is that Julius Randle just couldn't have picked a worse time to have his worst game of the year. And it's not like R.J. Barrett was really any better. He wasn't. He wasn't. One for six from three, I mean, that's what i kind of come to expect already. Then you talk about the guys around them, too. Reggie Bullock, nowhere to be found. Was awesome the last stretch of this year. Nerlens Noel got hurt. Alfred Payton's horrible. Should never be in the NBA ever again. You know, you get some sparks from top in a little bit. You got when the guy shoots a three pointer, I panic and I'm like, no, 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 and then it goes in. And then he had an awesome dunk too. And then Manuel quickly hitting from friggin' almost half court. Love that guy. I could talk about him all day long, but I'm not going to. But uh, game two is m- like must. <laughs> like 
Must win Wednesday. That's not a stretch. Either. Must win Wednesday. I, they got to figure out a way. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm confident Julius will figure it out. I understand like first ever playoff game jitters, but at the same time, Trey Young just played his first ever playoff game. So, yep, got to come back. Got to come back, and you don't want to go down. You don't want to go down two zero and then go back to it and then Especially go to losing two games at home. Exactly. I think if you if you lose game two, I'm. You have to win two in Atlanta and then come back. I just, I don't know. I want to be confident, Mister. Hey, let's, you know, we're gonna do this. But I think they, I think they will bounce back on Wednesday. They're gonna learn from this. But Julius Rand, Julius Randle's the key to everything. He's been the key to this whole season. <sighs> pain, absolute pain. But hey, we're here. We're here. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. I hate that attitude, but I'm kind of over that now. I, I was happy to be here at 7 o'clock. And then after the game, I was like, oh, we're in the playoffs. We have three more games. If we lose three more games, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> now, Tibbs will have these guys ready to play. I think Randall's going to learn from this and step up. But they need a lot more than just Julius Randall to, to get this done. So, yeah, both our basketball teams, completely two separate directions. <laughs> but... Yeah. I think the Knicks will figure it out. All right. 40 minutes on basketball. Love that. Not not very often we do that. No. It's postseason time, baby. It's the most important time of the year. All right. We'll break. We come back. Yankees, Mets, all that good stuff. I mean, mostly Yankees. The Mets are injury riddled. And then uh, what do we got? What do we got after that? Um, We're not going to go into the Jets and Giants schedule uh predictions yet because we want to have Joe here and I don't I don't know why we didn't do that yet but we haven't gone through the schedules for each team and uh broken down what we think about it. So there's a tier list that I found where we can predict the record or how many wins each team will get. Um so we're going to do that quick for every team um and we'll get more into that uh after the old bat and ball. Bat and ball. All right, we'll do all that when we Return. Do you have thoughts you want to share? Have questions, comments, or hot takes surrounding the world of New York sports? We want to hear from you. So give us a call on the new 24-7 Tri-State Sports Beat fan line. Call our new toll-free number at 862-260-4315 and leave us a voicemail with your questions and comments so you can be heard on that week's episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Again, that's 862-260-4315. We can't wait to hear from you, New York sports fans. So it's officially Yankees are back, right? The Yankees are officially back. Officially back. Ooh, that's a nasty hit right there. Who was that, Judge Cohen? Oliver Wallstrom. All right. So we left off two weeks ago, or last week, because I was here. Um, Yankees splitting two in Baltimore, not in a very, not a very, not a very great stretch there, but in winning baseball, winning series, and all that good stuff. But they needed a big end to this road trip. Didn't start out as good as we thought. But they go to Texas. They take three or four from the Rangers, which, I mean, I said I said they at, at best they should take three or four of them. I think they could have swept them there. But game one, obviously, Garrett Cole gets shelled in game one. Not very good at all. You know, had the, you know he was kind of due for a bad start anyway. Like, he's the second greatest pitcher in the, on the planet. You know, he's uh, due for a bad start every once in a while. But... Shocking, at least, against a team like the Texas Rangers, to be honest. 
But and then the offense was just you know they made the Rangers pitching in that game look horrible. They let they got four guys on base or one for four with runners in scoring position, just not awesome. But you know what? I don't know why. Like the Yankees losing was a big issue to me, but the like at that point, excuse me. <laughs> at that point in the game, when Gary Sanchez is your designated hitter, and he's batting 185 at the time, I don't think it's much better right now. And he's going 0 for four. You don't love to see that. <laughs> yeah, but um, you know they got they got scoring going in the first inning, and then you think right there they're going to sail to a W right there, and then uh, couldn't muster a single run until the eighth inning until the Luke Voigt home run, and that was about it. That's all they had. Uh, Cole was horrible, but. Offense didn't help him whatsoever. Uh, game two, three, and four, a lot better. A lot better. You know, game two, they had the op- opposite of the night before. Quickly, we're down 3 nothing, and then we're thinking, holy crap, Jameson Tyone, what the hell is going on with you? He would redeem himself later in this week. But they shelled Mike Fultonevich, one of Joe's favorite baseball players ever, because <laughs> his last name is fantastic. You know, they get fourth, you know, in the fourth inning, they get five runs off of him. He was great. Guys like Gary... And Miggy actually producing in the game, bottom of the lineup, actually doing something for once. Look at that. Yeah. And uh, DJ completed the comeback with that two-run that two-run double to take the lead there. And then uh, bullpen did their job, as they always do. Game three, witnessed history. We witnessed something we've never seen before. Never. And who knows when we'll ever see again. Because not only did Corey Kluber throw the no-hitter, and not only was he... Not giving up a walk away from a perfect freaking game. But this was coming off when the night before, was it Spencer Turnbull? Yeah. The no-hitter? Who was he playing for? Tigers, that's right. Yeah. Great. Like, it was that seven no-hitter, six or seven no-hitters in this year so far? There's been six, and three teams have been no-hit twice. The Mariners and the Rangers. The Indians. Oh, the Indians. And the... The Mariners, Indians, and Rangers, yeah, I believe. Bad, 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 bad. But that was really something. I mean, I was going back and forth between the Yankees and the Mets game at that, at that, ta- at that point in time. But when you texted me, I was not fully aware, I'll be honest with you. Like, I was oh. going back and forth. I was watching. You texted me, and you go, are you, are you up? I go, yeah. I'm watching both the Yankees and the Mets. He goes, I'm not going to say it, but Kluber's on watch. Yeah, I said, we're on watch. I'm not going to say what it is, but we are on watch. And then I'm like... I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? So, you know, I I had my I had the Yankees on the big TV in my room, and then I had the, the Mets on my laptop. So I look over. They end the inning. I'm like, Corey Kluber isn't giving up a hit yet. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then, I guess it all depends on who you are and what you believe in. I'm a big jinx guy. Big jinx guy. And the fact that they come back from commercial and they're showing all the David Wells highlights and the David yeah. Cohn highlights and – how many days it's been since the Yankees have had a no-hitter slash perfect game. I'm like, Michael K., shut your freaking trap, dude. If anybody's going to jinx it, it's Michael K. John Sterling, apparently, they were talking about it left and right, too. Oh, they were? Mm. Yep. The radio and the TV were both saying it left and right and left and right. And then Michael K., after it happened, he had to tweet out something like, oh, here's all for you jinx folks that were threat. Like, oh, F yourself. Like, screw, screw. And then, and then um... Of course, we ha- we're heading Twitter updates and MLB MLB app updates. Yeah. So we're like, stop, cut this crap out already. Oh, that was such a that was that was as nervous I've been for a Yankee game in quite some time. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't think I could feel like that for a regular season game, but uh, I was taught like 
I was tired, so I was debating on going to bed. And, mm-hmm. and then I turned the Yankee game on in like the fifth inning. And I saw that he hadn't given up a hit yet. So I was like, well, I can't go to bed while he hasn't given up a hit yet. And then I ended up staying up for like two hours afterwards because my heart was racing so <laughs> fast. I was just not tired anymore. Yep. So. Uh, and then who would have thought the hero yeah. of that game, Tyler yeah. freaking Wade. Thought? Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? Was it a two-run do- a two-run triple? Yeah. That was the only runs of the game. And then he makes the huge catch in right field. Huge. That was a snipe. Wow. That was like the same. Sorry sorry to get off. There you go. That was like the same exact goal as the Jets scored last night. Right off the face-off top corner. Wow. That was a sick goal. Let's go Panthers. No, that was a, that was just an RBI triple. And then LeMahieu got the, uh, the sack fly. Yeah. But what a performance from Corey Kluber. And especially at this point in his career, too. When, yeah. like, when everybody thought, like, oh, you know, older guy, Velo's down, all that good stuff. What a performance from him. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Yeah. Two Cy Youngs. I think he's been top 10 a couple other times. He was the ace of that world. As a the the, the world thing is, team. he's only done it for about, like, five years. So you think he's got to do it a little longer period of time? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I he's mean, there yet. Two Cy Youngs in five years, I think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, and then you can get into all the dumb, like, war and all those other advanced metrics or whatever. I don't think he, like, stacks up to other pl- other pitchers in, like, those, you know, war and uh, the Joe Benigno favorite flump. <laughs> That's not a real stat, but no. <laughs> I don't think you got to tell the people that. If they're listening to this and they think flump is a real stat, I don't know. Well, Joe Benigno is a real stat. <laughs> flump. <laughs> Uh, oh man! But war and war plus and whip, whip. Well, that's 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 a good stat. Walks and hits per. I don't give a pitch. shit about any of those. I gotta be honest. I really don't. All that matters is wins, losses, and ERA. Even wins don't lo- Even yeah, wins don't true. matter. Jacob anymore. Degrom is gonna go into the Hall of Fame with like less than 100 wins. Exactly. He's gonna be an ERA stud. But yeah, the, all that pomp and circumstance of Game Three. Corey Kluber coming off that no-hitter was awesome. And then Herman in game four to end game the series. Game four was such, like, a letdown game. It was. And, like, possibly. Yeah. And, you know, like, like you mentioned, Domingo Herman. ever since he got sent down after that fir- after his first two starts, or yeah, we first were ready to kick starts, him to the curb. he was horrible, and he got called back up, he's been 2019. Yeah, 2019 Herman. He's been fantastic. Yeah, I thought man. that was Yarmir Yager for a second. <laughs> That is Mackenzie Weger. Yeah. Weger? Weger. I don't, I don't know. know. Hello, yeah. Mackenzie. Herman was very good. Um, they got runs when they needed in the seventh inning, and then Chappie shuts the door. Series W, leaving Texas with a win, going back home to face the American League leading at the time before the Yankees swept their ass. Chicago White Sox. Yeah. Couldn't have told you that they were going to sweep them there. No, especially after they started the other night with Rodon, how they couldn't touch him. Oh, couldn't touch him. He's fantastic, though. Could not touch him, though. He had 13, yeah, he had 13 strikeouts, but we had our uh, our lefty specialist. Double digit of his own. Yeah, 11 Ks. He was absolutely untouchable. But, yeah, Yankees had to wait for Rodon to come out of the game, and then Glaber had the series of his freaking life this week. Gets the two runs they need, and then they uh, walk out single in the, in the ninth inning, and Got the job done and uh, did what they had to do. Game two was really fun, though. 
Garrett Cole came back after getting shelled in Texas, and he only gave up four hits against this White Sox lineup with, you know, your mean Mercedes and Abreu, Tim Anderson, who you think, like, all right, game one, they didn't get that much off of us. And then game two, you're thinking, all right, they're going to come back and be a little stronger. Even though it is Cole, they're going to they're gonna get some hits and some runs off of Cole, at least one or two. But Cole shuts them down for four hits, and they the Yankees offense knocks Cease out in less than five innings, and then Glaber, again, being the man of the series, you know, gets four of the five runs out there for the Yankees, and they're dominant all around. And then yesterday, was it yesterday? Or the day? Yeah, it was yesterday because the Yankees have an off day today. This point, you expect the Sox to show up. You're like, all right, mm-hmm. they've been shut out now, but the Yankees, you know, with Tyone on the mound, I'm very skeptical of Jamison Tyone up to this point. I'm like, uh, you don't know what to really expect of him right now. The past three starts have been piss poor, so bad. So he comes in against this stacked even though the Yankees have held him at bay for the first two games, stacked White Sox lineup. The Yankees go up 3 nothing early, and Tyone has had his best start yet. But then the Sox rallied late. They got, you know, two runs off Peralta, and then they got one off Chad Green, and Chapman blows the lead. Blows the save, I'm sorry. And then they go into the bottom of the ninth. They load the friggin' bases and saw that, I, you know, I, was done, I wasn't watching the game at this point, but saw Aaron Judge got his first career walk-off. I'm like... Damn, he hit a grand slam. He hit a home run, grand slam. Yankees won. Wow, cool. I watched the highlight. Uh, five pitch walk. Yeah, the one, <laughs> and the one pitcher was a strike. He uh, wasn't a strike. He way, swung at it. Way up it. in the freaking yeah. strike zone. But I'm like, all right, a walk off is a walk off. And the Yankees sweep the White Sox. Uh, couldn't have gone better, <laughs> to say the least, pal. Yeah, I mean, starting pitching hasn't allowed a, a run in 35, yeah, 35 or 36 innings. Um, Chapman gave up his first earned run of the season yesterday. And we're how many games in? <laughs> uh, probably close to 50 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, that was his first blown save out of 10 or 11 tries. Blown save and still won. Yeah, he's 10 out of 11 in save opportunities so far. Yeah, I mean, yesterday the bullpen, th- that was like their first game that I can remember in a long time where they, you know, gave up quite a few runs. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, the, one of the best lineups coming in, only giving up, I think it was like five runs or six runs over the course of the series. Yeah, I mean, that's that's winning baseball. And, you know, if you can do that to the best team in the American League coming in, that shows you a good spot where you are as a team, you know, so far in the season. Yeah. Now, you know, there's a big, huge stretch coming up now where the Blue, they play the Blue Jays and then the Rays and the Red Sox come in for seven straight. So... They have a little um, buffer there with the Tigers, three games in Detroit against the Tigers. But. Yeah. It's, yeah, but these next however many 13 games, with 10 of them being uh, against divisional opponents. Especially so, how tight the division is, too. I mean, the Rays have won 11 straight. Yeah. That's there's I think the AL East, at least the last time I checked, was the only division in baseball that had four teams above 500. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Blue Jays are still above 500, but... Um, I mean, there's a lot of good good divisions out there right now. Like the NL West, the Dodgers, Giants, and Padres are all like, you know, almost 10 games above 500. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of tight races so far. So, mm-hmm. um, the NL East is one of them too. But you know, the net the the way the Mets have played lately. We'll get into that in a minute. But um, but yeah, you mentioned the rotation. The 36 straight innings been like 
Everyone has now been a pleasant surprise, at least these past two weeks, been a pleasant surprise from everyone with the exception of Garrett Cole because he's amazing all the time except for that one start against Texas, but he's amazing most of the time. That's why you signed him to a big contract. But then Kluber, like the no-hitter from Corey Kluber, you know, that, you know, gets into the conversation of can he, like, sustain, you know, a different version of himself where it's, you know, you're getting that middle of, you know, older starting pitcher, you know, towards the back end of his career and that two-time award-winning Cy Young guy. If we can get something in the middle of that, Yankees got to be happy with that in a minute. I mean, right now the Yankees have two number two pitchers, right. Kluber and Herman. You could even make, I think Montgomery right now would be a solid number three. And you don't even have Severino back yet. I mean, granted, we don't really know what he's going to be like when he comes back. It's probably going to take him a little while to get going, uh, coming off the Tommy John surgery. But, you know, your best pitcher for a couple of years there isn't even isn't even around right now. And obviously he wouldn't be the Yankees' best pitcher anymore with Garrett Cole in the mix. But uh, and, I, and I know you just, like, kind of blew past Jameson Tyone a little bit. Like the piss, the past three starts piss poor. Like we all, like we yeah. all know, he already's been high. Can we get up like at least? He's the worst of the starters right he now. He is. But do we even know? Like we said, we don't know what Severino is going to be when he comes back. Do we even know what Tyone is right now? No, I guess we're not at that point yet. He he's just a guy who they're not really willing to stretch out right now. Because yeah. the fact he only pitched five innings yesterday too, I don't think his pitch count was all that high. Like a, meaning he could have came out for the sixth inning, but. I think it just shows that they don't have a ton of faith in extending him yet. And I mean, obviously, I mean, you got to think about it too. Two years since he pitched, I think he's only had five no. starts or something like that. At least yeah. three or four, four or five starts, something like that. But that start yesterday, again, only five innings. I think he only threw 90 pitches, I think. But yeah. I think, you know, after having those three bad starts, him realizing that, wow, the rest of this rotation is dominant right now. I need to step up. And he honestly, he did that yesterday. Honestly, he did that. Yeah. And then, you know, he kind of joins the party, and then hopefully you think that Tyone, even though right now he's in that second rotation spot, I don't I don't really know if he should be at this point. You know, how Kluber has pitched, how, uh, how Herman has been, how Montgomery's been. You know, I think maybe Tyone gets moved down in the rotation. Maybe it's probably for his best interest. Maybe his confidence will get it. You know, it'll suck being, you know, being the third or fourth guy in the rotation, maybe behind somebody, but still in front of somebody at the same time. But... See, he's not really the second starter, though. I think they just put him there because they know they're going to need more bullpen when he pitches. That's true. And if you put him right behind Garrett Cole, you can nine times out of ten, you can guarantee you're probably going to get at least seven innings from Garrett Cole. Yeah. So I think that's more of a strategic play on the part of the Yankees where they put Tyone because they know they're going to need more bullpen probably with him. And then you brought up the good point, too. Like Montgomery and Herman are stretching out this rotation. Mm-hmm. So they can they can actually be confident going five deep. You actually be a little confident in that in that rotation. After we've had so many questions going into the season, and even up and probably up until this point, whether the rotation is actually good or not. Yeah. And then yeah, it's been a great surprise. Yeah, it has been. And then the offense, wowie, has. I don't know. I don't want you to apologize to Aaron Judge, but I mean, hello, how we doing? Yeah, I mean, he's been good. I, th- I think he has the lowest strikeout rate of his career so mm-hmm. far. I wouldn't really say they're rolling yet. I mean, they have... He's having a hell of a May, like 350. Well, I was talking about the May. offense as a whole. Oh, yeah, yeah. The offense really as a whole. I mean, the last two days, uh, they scored, what, seven on Saturday and five yesterday, including mm-hmm. the walk-off walk. I still wouldn't say the offense has it going. I mean, around baseball... 
the offense is way down, but I don't I don't know. I still don't think the Yankees have their offense rocking and rolling. The only reason why they're in their position in the position they're in is because of the pitching. Mm-hmm. So no, you're absolutely right. And then injuries are playing a part in it as well. You know, with Hicks not being alive now, he's going to miss months now with the wrist. Yeah, yeah wrist injury, and then. Giancarlo, who's supposed to come back in the lineup, he actually hit the IL last week with the quad injury. He's supposed to be back, I think, tomorrow, I think. He's eligible to come off for this series, but who knows if that'll happen. Yeah, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, loving what Judge is doing right now. You know, the month of May has been awesome for him. I think right now, in the last 15 days, he's hitting 457. How we doing, Aaron Judgey? How we doing? And he's, you know, and he, now because Giancarlo is, you know, been on the IL, he's been playing DH, having half days here and there as the Yankees are shuffling things in the outfield. And then, you know, he's had a hell of a month in May, though. Yeah, I mean, and Kleber has been, awesome. ever since he came back from the second COVID, Amazing. he's uh, turned into a robot. Maybe that's the key. You get the vaccine, you get the second COVID. Shoot me get, up, baby. You get the next COVID thing, and you're a robot. You're injected with 5G. Will me in the MSG for that game. Will <laughs> me in. But, yeah, I think Glaber, he's in above 600 since coming off the, the COVID IL, right? Yeah, he's been on fire. Yeah, last seven days hitting six eleven, unfreaking believable. Even Clint got three hits yesterday. Yeah, and you know a guy who doesn't have a lot have an average to really show for it, but Andujar's had some really good at bats the last couple. And he made the play of his life and uh, left. Yeah, but he's also day. made some horrible <laughs> ones. Like on Saturday, there was a ball that was hit into the gap. Any normal outfielder probably would have caught it. He just like stopped running. And was like, oh, crap, I'm not going to catch it. And then sped back up and did not catch it. And then and then there was another instance. I th- yeah, Guardy was definitely in center. Uh, Andujar was in left. And had a fly ball in left center field, right? Again, any normal outfielder, when two go- when the center field and left fielder are coming together, any normal guy would be like, one guy says, I got it. The other guy just goes behind them. Andujar decides to go in front of Brett Gardner, not enabling Brett Gardner to not catch the ball, and it goes for like a triple. Yeah, he's not a not, not an outfielder. A, not an outfielder. Definitely not. Which, you know, right now you can see as he's getting more. Same with Brett Gardner, as he's getting more at bats. You know, they're becoming much more quality at bats. Mm-hmm. So these guys, especially Brett Gardner, I think at this point in his career, he needs consistent playing time to be able to be a a, a contributing factor for this team, and he's going to get it because of Aaron Hicks's injury. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, you know, the Mike Talkman trade people are like, oh, why'd you trade him? Because we have no outfielders. One, I love Mike Talkman, but he's hitting under two hundred. One, right you now. couldn't predict when injuries were going to happen. Second, Wandy Peralta's been a good, a uh, good addition to this yeah. bullpen. He's been good. Other than yesterday, he gave up what two runs or something like that on a home yeah. run. Um, but like you said, Mike Talkman's hitting under two hundred. I think you know Estevan Florial's eventually going to get a shot up here. He's they're just probably going to give him some more time at AAA. Because I couldn't believe it, but this is his first time being in AAA. Mm-hmm. I thought he he at least spent part of another season there. Um, but he just spent it at the alternate site last year. Mm. Yeah, like you said before, the Yankees got a huge stretch coming up. They got three against the Blue Jays. They're four and two against them this year. You know, They're going to see Steven Matz, old Mets friend. They're going to see Robbie Ray. So hopefully they could beat them up a little bit. That'd be nice. Three against the Tigers in between the series against the Rays at home. They're going to see Glasnow in game two. So that's going to be a real challenge for them. And that sets up the big first series this year against the Red Sox at home. So hopefully by then, we'll be battling for first place. Hopefully. Let's hope. Let's cross our fingers. 
Maybe we'll be in the building as uh, as Boston comes to town. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll definitely see. The Mets. Um, I mean, honestly, pretty boring. <laughs> like, there's nothing to watch. Like, there's they have not. no one. They have no one in their lineup. Absolutely no. no one. Who wants to watch freaking? You know, let's look at this lineup. Who wants to watch the lineup? Let's look at the uh, the injury report, shall we? All teams. Yeah, like who wants to watch Cameron Mabin? He was batting third the other night. Went 0 for 5, batting in the third position. Um, this this dude, jo- John Eshwi. Vargas. Yeah, Vargas. Who no, just took Fargus. face full wall before yeah. in this game, and now he's on the IL. Jose Peraza. Like, Francisco Lindor still sucks. Khalil he's hitting Lee. 190. <laughs> Khalil Lee. Yeah, like... <laughs> Brandon Drury is playing some first base like, instead of Dom Smith. Who wants to watch the Mets right now? Who wants and, to watch the Mets? And then right now, as we speak, as they're playing the Rockies and they're losing, James McCann, who they paid to be a catcher, is currently playing first hey, base and batting third. he made a fantastic third. play. And he's before. batting third. He had a home run. He had oh, a home run and made third. a fantastic play. Ugh. All right, so, so, all right, so, uh, all right, Pete, put on some catcher's gear. You're going to be our starting catcher for the next, for the whole year. <laughs> Somehow the Mets are still in first place. Because the NL is so bad. It's piss poor right now. So bad. But, you know, they take two of three in Atlanta, and then they drop two of three against uh, against the Marlins. Not what you want there. But, yeah, we look at this injury report. Vargas went into the wall today. He's listed as day-to-day right now. Yamamoto, who pitched and was awful the other night. You know, he's got a, short, he's got a sore shoulder. He's on the IL. Alonzo, hand injury, IL. Carrasco now won't be back until late June, early July. So that's not great for the rotation. McNeil and Conforto, both significant hamstring strains, going to be late June for both of them about. Who else? J.D. Davis has gone in the witness protection program. Uh, he's supposed to be in the line. He was out for the li- out in the lineup again in AAA Syracuse on Sunday due to neck stiffness. Uh, Pilar, his nose is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Albert Almora took face full of wall. Yeah, the, the, the impressive Who thing Who the is? heck is Pete Crow Armstrong? <laughs> Luis Guillorme's hurt too? Apparently. He's got a finger? No, no, that's that's Nimmo. I'm sorry. Nimmo has a finger issue. <laughs> you know, the, the, the impressive thing is that, uh... Luis Guillorme has an oblique. The impressive thing is that Kevin Plark took a 94-mile-per-hour fastball off the schnoz, walked off on his own, and was on the ground longer, or uh, shorter, significantly shorter than LeBron James when he got his eye poked. Forget that. Pilar thought he was going to be in the lineup the next day. Yeah. That dude dude needed some some, uh, heavy nose reconstruction. Taiwan Walker also has some side stuff going on. Did you see when Albert Almora hit the wall? <laughs> yeah, when dude, went, yeah. that was the boom heard around the world. <laughs> Shot heard around the world. Wow. Oh, we also forgot the most important one. Even though he's coming back on Tuesday, Jacob DeGrom's been on the IA. He's missed two starts, but we knew that already. Yeah. Yeah, so the whole team's on the... Uh, I think we saw it before. Seven of the nine that started opening day are on the IL. Not great. Not and great. for Francisco Lindor, your three hundred plus million dollar player oh, is hitting one ninety. Hello, <laughs> Francisco Lindor. Hello, <laughs> welcome to New York. Chris Hello, Q. what is wrong with him? 
He sucks. He's too busy arguing if it was a rat or a raccoon. Can we? Oh, can you can you talk about? Do you want to talk about? I talked about that last week, but I mean, you want to want to have your take on that? Not really. It's the it was, worst lie in the history of the world. It was the most cringiest thing I've ever watched. <laughs> what doesn't make sense though is that in this game, I know you want to put like I don't know why you want to put James McCann there in the first place. I know you want Nito to play catcher right now. Why isn't Dom Smith playing first base? <laughs> Luis Rojas got some explaining to do. <laughs> How about the Mets training Mets training staff? You have some explaining to do. So all these guys are hurt for bad, bad, very bad. You're not great in Mets land. No. So yeah, they're not a fun team to watch right now. But uh, what's that Islander score? What's going on with them? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. But uh, when we come back, we have a um. What is this thing you want to do again? Some NFL win predictions. Win predictions. Oh. Be, you know, are we doing some over unders? Yes, we could. Uh, you know, get some uh, NFL talk in here. Uh, yeah, we're cool. Gonna wait, we're gonna wait for Joe to do the Jets and Giants things, and uh, who knows when he'll be available. So that could be coming uh, next year. <laughs> that was a joke. Joe's camping. Joe went camping this weekend. Went to Hershey. Went to went tent camping. Hello, chocolate. <laughs> All right, we'll finish Do things. Do you think out. Joe knows how to effectively pitch a tent? I think so. Joe's an outdoorsy kind of guy. You would never expect it, but he is. You don't think so? I don't know. Like I just don't see Joe being able to pitch a tent by himself. I mean, every man can pitch a tent. <laughs> Apparently not Joe. It's been- oh. <laughs> I'll be right back. The Tri-State Sportsbeat has partnered up with Southside Productions to bring the podcast to the next level. Southside Productions features an already impressive yet small roster of podcasts, including everyone's third favorite baseball podcast, Take a Pitch. Us, along with everyone else at Southside Productions, are working hard to bring the best sports media content to you, the listener. So do us a favor and check us out at www.southsideprod.com. That's southsideprod.com. And follow us on all major social media platforms. And now... Back to the show. Well, as Nick is coughing up a lung through his esophagus, uh, we uh we have returned. The allergies are hitting. <clears throat> yeah, the pollen is bad. My uh, car went from blue to neon green. green. Yeah. Um, during the break, the Florida Panthers has taken a two-one lead. We have an update on the Islanders yet? I th- I think it's just overtime. Oh, okay. And they iced the puck. Um. All right. All right. All right. Um, we are going to say hello to the NFL, and uh, we are going to do some uh, some fun little NFL season predictions. You couldn't tell it's a little late. We're very tired. Based on wins. <laughs> yeah, it's currently 947. I played a round of 18 today. Uh, I hit some good shots. I also hit some very bad shots. Oh, shout out Phil Mickelson, too. Phil, yes. Legend. Hello, lefty. Activate calves. Activate the thumbs. Yeah, it was great, great to see. Yes, very good. Mm. Um... Brooks acted like a crybaby afterwards. Did he? he said that, you know, oh, I'm sure it was fun for Phil, but his people were, apparently he tried to say that people were taking like, like nicking at his knee or something. Like they were trying to like hit his injured knee. I don't know. It was weird. But we all make up excuses when we lose sometimes. Yeah. But all right. We're going to uh, head over to the gridiron. And so the how this is going to work is. We have a tier list here. The tiers are as follows. As uh, as Nick has uh, flagellated some gas. 
don't even know if that's the right terminology. The but mic, uh, the mic was muted. Nobody heard that. Um, it stinks. <laughs> five guys. Hello. <laughs> Hello, five guys. <laughs> la la la. la. <laughs> um. All right. <laughs> Going downhill very quickly. <laughs> Thank God for the process of editing. Uh, <clears throat> okay, well, how, how this tier list is going to work is the bottom tier is three to four wins. So the bad, the worst of the worst gets placed there. Next is five to six wins, seven to eight wins, nine to ten wins. Then the top tier is 11 to 13 as a guy gets hooked down to the ice. Um, all right, we are going to kick this off with... The Cleveland Brownies. Okay. I personally think the Cleveland Browns are going to be a very good team this year. Do you? I do. Okay. I think their defense, they added Davion Clowney. I personally would put them in 11 to 13. Wow, that's generous. You have to remember, 17 game season, 11, 11 right. and 6 gets that done. Were they 10 and 6 last year? <sighs> no, they were 11 and 5 last year, Cleveland. I don't really remember. They were 11 and 5 last year. Um, what a, um, hmm. you know what? I think, <laughs> um, I think that's a little generous by you, pal. You think that you, I mean, the Browns, I mean, the Browns are the Browns. So you think they can really like repeat another 11 wins? Like, I mean, they're, they're good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I sense a little let down. I'm going to go, I'm going to go nine to 10. Yeah, just, just a little letdown. I'll go, I'll go nine to ten. Sure. Just a little letdown. Not, but not maybe a game or so. The Browns are still good for the playoffs, but the nine to ten is okay. All right. Next up, the San Francisco 49ers and who we don't know they're going to be a quarterback. We'd have to assume it was Jimmy G, but not a great season for them last year. Six and ten, last in the division, NFC West. Tough um, division. Um. Yes. Six and ten, I think Jimmy G gets off to a bad start. Um, they're gonna miss Robert Sala because he's the best. Um, I'm gonna go. They finished six and ten last year. They probably end up better. I think just uh, not Justin Fields. They have Trey Lance. Uh, I think Trey Lance comes in maybe in the middle of the year. I'm gonna say around week six, seven, maybe. And um. I think the Niners have enough talent around a rookie quarterback where they can get. I'll go seven to eight. That's what I was I think thinking that's as fair. well. Seven eight. Okay. That's what I was thinking. All right. All right. Next up, the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. New England was seven and nine last year. Cam Newton's coming back on a one-year deal. He drafted Mac Jones in the first round. Uh, hell of a free agency, as we know. Who did they get? Um, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry. Um, Matt Judon, Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy coming back. Uh, their defense—they're gonna get those guys back from COVID. Uh, Patriots. I don't think. I think they're gonna finish third in the division again. I'm gonna go. I think all. I think the Jets will be improved. Obviously from last year, they can't get much worse, <laughs> as we know. I'm gonna go with. I think the Patriots go seven to eight. I was thinking the same exact thing. Glad we're on the same page there. Love I that. Just think Cam Newton as a whole is just a very large Cam Newton's not going to play the whole year. I yeah, think. I think they're going to have to give Mac Jones a chance at some point. Even though I do, I still don't, like, as far as wide receivers go, don't think the Patriots still don't have enough. 
Yeah. Yeah, they have John Smith and Hunter Henry, but they don't have enough on the outside where they're going to get, like, significant. They're going to know whether Mac Jones is good or not. Like, how, like even have an inkling. Like, they're yeah. going to go into year two of Mac Jones at the helm not knowing a damn thing. Yeah. All right, up next. The newest home of former Jets quarterback Sam Darnold, the Carolina Panthers. This is tough because the division, no more Drew Brees in New Orleans. Obviously, the Bucks are the team to beat. Atlanta, strange. You don't know how good they're going to be. Julio Jones wants out. He's definitely going to go out. Uh, Kyle Pitts now they drafted fourth overall. Matt Ryan, um, the back end of his career, I, it all it's all on Sam Darnold. It's all on Sam. Uh, they got weapons around him. He's got his going in with his best coaching situation, his best you know offensive offense he's had since he's been in the league. Um, I don't know. I think Panthers were five and eleven last year. Who played quarterback for them? Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater. They also had that guy from the XFL. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go Carolina. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go seven to eight again. Yeah, I was thinking more five to six. I don't I don't know if I love their defense either. Really. I don't know if you can trust Christian McCaffrey to stay healthy for an entire season. The last couple of years he's missed games. Yeah, but Do we I, think Sam is that much better to carry them to an extra couple wins? I think he'll I think he'll be I don't think he's gonna be he's not gonna be an all star, but I think he'll be better with Joe Brady as a competent offensive coordinator. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll say seven to eight. Okay, I'd probably give them max seven wins. Okay. So I'd be, what, seven and ten? That's mm-hmm. weird to say. Yeah. All right, up next, this is a team that's interesting. This is a pretty insane division, but the Pittsburgh Steelers. We already have one of their division rivals at nine to ten wins. Um, Steelers are weird. Did they draft a quarterback? No, no, I don't think so. No, they drafted um, Najee Harris. I know, I know, like not oh. in the first round, but like later on. I don't recall. Actually, the Mets lost three to two. No, they did not. They got Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like uh, the offense looks. I mean, Juju's back for at least a year. Claypool. Um, the defense is pretty much the same as last year. I expect the Ravens to be uh, a little worse than 11 wins this year just because losing Matt Judon, I think, is going to hurt them a little bit on the defensive end. I don't see the st- – uh, what did I have the Browns at? At 9-10? to 10? I'd say Pittsburgh probably around 9-10. to 10. I don't think they get to 12 wins again. I think they take a little bit of a step, but not that much. I'll go 9-10. to 10. So this is a team I think could get to 11-13. to 13. But I think like everything has to go right for them to go eleven to thirteen. Like Big Ben has to be good. How can can you really rely on Ben to be that good though? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously he's coming to the end of his career. This is probably his last one to two years. Um, they signed what running back did they sign? Obviously they got Najee Harris, but they also signed a guy from the Cardinals, I think. In free agency. Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane, Kalen Balazs is on the Steelers. Oh, I thought they signed a, no. another running back. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think Juju is going to be a different player. I don't I don't think he's going to get the TikTok stuff uh, rolling. Chase Claypool obviously showed a lot of promise last year. 
Yeah, I think this could be a team that's probably around the 10-win range, but has room for improvement because Mike Tomlin's just a fantastic head coach and he can lead a team, you know, he, he can get a team to overachieve. But yeah, I think 9-10, to 10, I think this division's going to beat up on each other too, mm-hmm. playing each other twice. Okay. All right, up next, the Minnesota Vikings. This is a tough division to predict because we don't know the status of Aaron Rodgers. We're going to do this as if it, Aaron Rodgers is still on the Packers and they're going to figure it out, but... Yeah, Minnesota Vikings. 7-9 and nine last year. Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback. They have um, Kellen Mond now, too, don't they? Yeah, they do. You think that really puts any pressure on him? I don't know. When they drafted him, RG3 was on some draft show, and he said, I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to like this too much because he uh, did play with Kirk Cousins in Washington. I mean, Dalvin Cook's, you know, obviously going to have Dalvin Cook. Cook's going to cook. Justin Jefferson's going to have a big year, too, I think. You know... Uh, beefs up that offensive line with Darishaw a little bit. The defense is... I don't love Feeling it. Feeling on offense? Yeah, I don't love their defense, really. Daniel mm-hmm. Hunter's old. I mean, they got Dalvin Tomlinson. That's good. Uh, Anthony Barr. Yeah, I mean, they, they got Patrick Peterson. So, it looks like they're getting older on defense, yeah. which is strange. Uh, they went 7-9 and nine last year. The division's... T- I mean, Green Bay, we said we don't know about. Chicago, who knows? The Lions Detroit. have Jared Goff. That's a pretty bad division, yeah. especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves. Like that division might be the worst in football. Yeah, I don't love Minnesota's defense. I'm gonna go five to six. I think. I think Kirk Cousins could lift them to seven, eight wins, just like based on their offense too. I don't know if I like Mike Zimmer as a head coach. He's been there for a while, so I obviously see something. Yeah, obviously they have the Minneapolis Miracle or whatever the heck they call that yeah. with Diggs. They surprisingly did have a winning record in the division last year. They went four and two in the division last year. See, I think they're better than five to six. I'd put them in seven to eight. I don't love their defense. I really don't. Yeah, but their division, like, yeah, I don't know. They're they're a weird team. I don't know. Think about it. They're, they're kind of like Atlanta, where, well, we'll get to the Falcons eventually, but they're kind of like Atlanta, where they're always like one or two possessions away from like having a really good season and you know winning some games where maybe they shouldn't have. But then again, they're one to two possessions away from throwing a lot of games away that they should have won. Yeah. But think about like the uh, there's there's a little bit of offensive firepower in that division. As long as you have Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, right? Yeah, what do we think about Goff? Uh, what do we think about is Justin Fields going to start or is Andy Dalton going to start? I mean, whoever does start for the Bears, still have Allen, Allen Robinson. Robinson. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Allen Robinson. <laughs> That's it, really. <laughs> I don't know. I I just don't love Minnesota's defense. Not a fan, and I can't rely on Kirk Cousins year in year out. Sorry, okay, I'll go five to six. I'll I'll trust. All right, next up, another team that had some off season turmoil, the Seattle Seahawks. Twelve and four last year. That's definitely not happening this year. I don't think. Uh, is Russ happy there? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he kept saying that he needs offensive line help, and they go out and draft a wide receiver in the first round yeah. or second round or second round, I guess. I mean, their weapons are good. Carson, Metcalf, Tyler Lockett's still there. I mean, they even got old. They got Gerald Everett. They got even older at the tight end position. I mean, their offensive line. I mean, Russ will win games himself. Yeah, their offensive yeah. line is still just, a, like, a misfit of merry men. Like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Their defense is like they're just not like you know what sucks about Seattle they're not good at drafting. Yeah, they're pretty bad. They're just at not, it. Like I mean, they got lucky. I feel like they got lucky with DK Metcalf. Yeah, 
They're not good at drafting. That's why they don't like. They don't have a lot of household names. Yeah. And the division too, like the Rams Stafford. with Stafford. You know, like what's going to happen there with him and Woods and uh, and Cooper Cup and. You know, still their offensive line they have intact there. Arizona now with they add uh, AJ Green to the mix mm-hmm. with uh, with D Hop and Kirk and um, wow, who's Kyler. Uh, yeah, Kyler. Who's their running back? I forget. It's still Kenyon James Connor. James Connor. That's right. And then San Francisco. I had San Francisco at seven to eight wins. I don't know. I think Seattle. I think they're still going to contend for the division. I'll go Seattle. Yeah, I'm going to go nine ten. I'd put them right at nine to ten wins. Yeah. Like we said, that division is more improved. I think Stafford could be a real big jump for the Rams, too. Because mm. I think McVay is... I, I don't know if McVay was ever really excited about working with Jared Goff. There's always like I think that... in the beginning they were. Yeah, there was always like that weird connection. Like after the Super Bowl, it just kind of seemed kind of awkward mm. between the two of them. I think McVay is excited to work with Stafford. I think Stafford's going to try and prove that he's, you know... Uh, he still has it, but um, yeah, I think nine to ten wins for the Seahawks is right around good. All right, Chiefs. I'm not even. Gonna, we're just gonna go eleven to thirteen yeah, wins. Yeah, yeah. Don't even really have to talk about that. Have I mean, Holmes. That's it. Yeah, Detroit Lions. We just mentioned them. This could. Yeah. Personally, I think this could be a bad football team. I don't think Dan Campbell's gonna be a very good head coach. <laughs> I think he'll be a good motivator, but it, he's very gimmicky. He's got like. Yeah, well, guys buy into his stuff. I don't know. He's got, like, C-level Rex. He looks like a C-level Rex Ryan to me. <laughs> yeah. We already have one division rival of theirs at five to six wins. I mean, you're starting wide receivers. Tyrell Williams. Yeah. Jets legend Bashad Perriman. And Quintez Cephas. Who's Jared Goff throwing the ball to? It's not like their defense is all that hot either. Okora, Brockers, Trey Flowers. I think they they'll be better because Matt Patricia's not there. Yeah. Uh, this might be a little high, but I'm gonna go five six for them. Yeah, I think they could be in the three to four range. But I I think they're 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 ways away from even being close. Yeah, I, I don't know. All right, this they're is a so, team. They're so uninteresting, too. Like, nobody gives no a one, crap no about the Detroit Lions, yeah. except on Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, maybe. yeah. All right, this next team is a team that, I don't know, I don't have very high expectations for. I don't know about you, but it's the Philadelphia Eagles. They just get in their own way. I think this could be a team at the 3-4 to four range. I think really? they're that bad. Well, who's the quarterback? That's the question. Hurts, Joe Flacco, they said they're going to have a quarterback competition. I, I think that this team could be pretty bad. I mean, adding Devontae Smith's going to help them in the wide receiver room, definitely. Uh, I don't know. And their offensive line just doesn't... Old. Defense, old. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I think it's more realistic in the 5-6 to six range, but I don't think 3-4 to four is completely out of the question. I think they'll be better... I mean, first-year head coach, Nick Sirianni with Yeah, but he seems like he's weird, too. I mean, there's always that I mean, there's always that juice of a first-year head coach and a new culture change, kind of. Uh, I'm going to go 5-6. I don't think it's a very talented team. I'm going to go 5-6, I think. Yeah. All right. This next team, I, I personally, unfortunately, think they could be very good this year, but it's the Miami Dolphins. 
before we get into this, have you seen the comparisons that people are making between the Jets and the Dolphins and how they're rebuilding? No. People are making direct correlations of how the Jets are now rebuilding like the Dolphins did. And I was Not like, a bad blueprint. Yeah, I was like, well, you know, I don't really care if, if you know, the, the Dolphins are uh, a team that can make the playoffs, so. I think their defense last year was a little underwhelming from what we thought on paper. So I think they'll be a little better. The question is, do they trust Tua? Yeah, that's a big question mark with this team. Yeah. Are they buying into Tua? The whole Kyle Van Noy thing was very weird, too. Yeah. They just signed him last year to a big contract, and then all, they just cut him this year and release him. It seemed a little, little weird. Their offensive line doesn't really have household names here, but, like, you look at it on paper, Parker, Fuller, Jalen Waddell, Mike Gusecki, like, they're giving two all the opportunities to succeed. Yeah. Uh, Dahl, they went 10-6 and six last year. I think they're I think they're probably around there, honestly. Probably around, I'm going to go 9-10. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think they're on that top tier of 11-13. to 13. I think there's probably only four or five teams in the mm-hmm. league that can get there. And I, I think they're right. They're the tier below. But it matters on Tua. I think they could win 11 games. Yeah. But... You know, he doesn't have Fitzpatrick to fall back on if two are struggling. So, um, all right, the next team, a team doing a complete overhaul, the New Orleans Saints. I can't trust Jameis Winston as far as I can throw him. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's tough. I Unfortunately, you know, obviously losing Drew Brees is, you know, huge for this team. Devastating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have pieces around him. You know, they have Michael Thomas. Um, do they have pieces around him now that I'm thinking about it? Kamara. Kamara. Thomas. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about Kamara. I, I mean, know. other than that, Traquan Smith, Callaway. I almost said Marcus Colston for a second. He's good. He was um, good. Yeah, that was a throwback. <laughs> uh, their offensive line's good. I mean, I just don't trust Jameis. I really he didn't don't. look bad in the couple times he played. I mean, maybe Sean Payne gets the best out of him. Yeah. Maybe. But, twelve, like, definitely not a 12-win team. Tampa, no. That's Tampa Bay's division to win. I think they probably win the division going away. Do you have a, are you raising your hand? Oh, okay. Um, uh, I'm going to go 7-8. to eight. I'm not high on Jameis Winston at all. Yeah, I've... This could be a devastating... Uh, I don't know why I said devastating. Devastating for Saints fans because they're always used to winning. Yeah, I don't know where I was thinking of going, but devastating definitely was not the word I was trying to think of. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it could be very weird for the Saints. Um, here I think we might have our first really bad team. Okay. The Houston Texans. <laughs> Is there a tier lower than 3-4? <laughs> no. But zero, I think, zero to two. I think they're in three to four. Even with Deshaun Watson, I don't know if they, he's not playing this year. I don't think at this point. Yeah, look how many quarterbacks they have: Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills. They drafted Jeff Driscoll. They just let go of uh, Ryan Finley today. They have like five different quarterbacks on their team. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's gonna be a very good team. Even with Deshaun Watson there, they what went four and twelve last year. I'm gonna go. I already put them in three to four. So zero to two. <laughs> yeah, I think this could be a team that's... No J.J. Watt anymore. 
Yeah, I think they're who's their head coach? David Cut. Not David Cutcliffe. He's the uh, head no, coach no, no. of Duke. Da- Dave Cully. Something like that. Yeah. I have to, let me Google it. It was some weird name that like came out of the blue. David Cully. Yeah. Yep. Some old guy. I think he's older. He's been in the league quite some time. Yeah. So David Cully. Don't know anything about him. Zero to two. All right, another team that could be pretty bad, the Atlanta Falcons. See, I don't think it'd be really bad. It all depends what happens with Julio. I think he's gone. Yeah, made that very clear today. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time. I think, again, high-end 5-6. Definitely under 500. Yeah, I think they're probably maybe closer to 5 than 6. Yeah. They're such a weird team. They could be nine to ten, or they could be like three to four. If they don't blow leads, yeah, then they're well, over let's hope they blow team. one in uh, London in week four or five oh, or whatever. God save the queen. That national anthem is very quick. It's like, Are you a fan? Yeah, I don't mind it. I like it. I'm a fan. It's not on O Canada level, but it's really. Yeah, it's 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 a decent national anthem. I, like I think it. O, I think O Canada is the best national I'm anthem fan. though. Um, all right, back to the regular scheduled programming. <laughs> uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I don't believe in Lamar. Either. I don't either. I really don't. I think they'll probably be a 9-10 to 10 win team just based on Lamar's playmaking ability with his legs, but I think that's their ceiling. Him winning MVP, I think, was a, an anomaly season. Yeah, I'll with you there. I know Joe probably wouldn't be happy with that, but... I just would put show, him in nine just to show 10. me you can throw the ball like an elite level quarterback, like a first round quarterback. Not even elite, just like an average. average. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I agree with you there. Nine to ten is fine. All right, next up, the Tennessee Titans. Um, every year, like I look at the Titans since they made that playoff run two years ago, I still don't like believe that they're actually like a good. I team. think Mike Vrabel's a really good head coach. I do. He's the guy that, like, you buy in once you say you bite your kneecaps off and rip your head off yeah. and shit. Who do we think's a like better head coach, Brian Flores or Mike Vrabel? Uh, Mike Vrabel. He's done more. I know he's, he's, like, proven it, but he's also had more time to prove it. True. I think Brian Flores could have a year, like, that come out, like, well, not come out of nowhere, but he can have one of those breakout years as a head coach. I think it's about time for him. Yeah. Is it year three for him or something like that? It's year three, yeah. I don't know. I still don't love Ryan Tannehill. I mean, has to be Arthur. Three, right? Ar- you, we forget too. Arthur Smith is no longer there. Yeah, what's the offense going to look like? Yeah, we don't know. I mean, it's going to be Derrick Henry heavy. No Corey Davis anymore. True. AJ Brown's the one guy there. Josh Reynolds. No Johnu either. Yeah, no Johnu. Even though Johnu didn't really do much after like the first like three weeks of the season, he did enough like. to get him a big contract from the Patriots. Yeah, well, the Patriots were handing uh, handing out big contracts like it was uh, turkey on Thanksgiving. <laughs> Um, what were they last year? They were like eleven and five. They were eleven and five. I'm gonna go a couple pegs down. I'm gonna go seven to eight. Seven to eight. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think they're a nine to ten win team. Think so? I I think nine to ten is. I don't think they're seven. Like you, the Arthur Smith thing is definitely a question mark because we've seen Tannehill with Adam Gase, but we've also seen other quarterbacks with Adam Gase, and they've been horrible. So I think that, you know it could be the beginning of the season could be quite telling with how good the te- the Titans are going to be without uh, Arthur Smith. You know what? I, can I change my? I think nine ten is good too because their division is horrible. Yeah, besides I think in, seven besides eight. Indy, 
Yeah. I think seven to eight is way too low. Right. I'd put him at nine to ten. We already have six teams at nine to ten. Be a lot of fights in there and some divisions there. Yeah. Whatever. All right, next <laughs> up, local team. Should we save the local teams for the end or should we? Whatever you want. I'll just go in order. The New York Giants. We haven't gone through their schedule like we mentioned. We will do that in a future episode when Joe uh, hops on. Their schedule is, um, you know, upon first glance, is pretty favorable. Yeah. Is, uh, my questions. Barkley going to be healthy? Will be to start the season. And not really a question, but. This is it for Daniel Jones. They gave him every opportunity to succeed. Nope. They didn't really improve the offensive line. But it's good enough. I think it's decent enough. They gave him the weapons. Yep. Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Kadarius, Tony, Ingram's going to be better than last year. He can't be much worse. Is the he going to be better, though? I don't know. We keep saying that every year, and he just is not better. I don't know. The defense, Studley, going to carry this whole entire team. Lawrence, Shelton, Williams... Lorenzo Carter, Reggie Ragland, Blake Martinez, and the secondary is awesome. Uh, the Giants have to make the playoffs to be successful this year. Uh, the division stinks. It's the Giants' time. Uh, what were they, 6-10 and 10 last year? I think they're an 8-9 and nine team. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I think they at 7-8. I think they win the division, though. I don't know. Have Matters a shot. how Dak comes. They'll have a shot because the Cowboys are just perennially an eight and eight, or mm. I guess eight now eight and nine or nine and eight. But I uh, think the Giants and hot take Giants and Cowboys will be fighting until the last week of the it's season. It's not the hard division. when the your division winners under five hundred. Well, I mean, you never know about the Washington football team. Yeah, I think <laughs> you know. I think Fitz there could be good. Yeah, for the first six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think Giants seven to eight is is fair, because that'll be a st- what did they go last year? What was their record? Six and ten. So you know, one one to two an improvement. I mean, I think the giant the Giants aren't going to give up on uh, Joe Judge anytime soon. I think they're very happy with him, and the fans are too. So. No matter what, have to make the playoffs this year. Anything less is I wouldn't say have to, but they have to at least contend mm. towards the end of the year. Well, let's say, but like if they contend at the end of the year. Then you then what what's the decision on Daniel Jones? Like if you don't make the playoffs, then you could say, Oh, maybe he's not our guy. If you make the playoffs, then you're like, Okay, he's our guy for at least next year. If you're in that like in between like you're contending in week seventeen, which I week eighteen, sorry, which I think they will. The problem is if you go eight and nine, you're not gonna be uh, I mean, Dave Gettleman did do a good job in getting them ammo to trade up with, but But here's the thing. If Daniel Jones, let's say just statistically and from like the eyeball test, if Daniel Jones has another poor year, Dave Gettleman's gone. He is. You tie your job to a quarterback, right? Yeah. If if Daniel Jones is the same, what if they go like eight and nine and Daniel Jones yeah, still isn't that good? I think Dave. I think because their defense, their defense is the reason why they went six and ten yes, last year. But you also have to remember too, they have the guy, they have one of Joe Judge's guys waiting in the wings. So they're just kind of waiting for Dave Gettleman to F up. What do you mean one of his guys? They brought in one of his guys as an assistant GM from New England. Oh. So they're kind of just waiting for Dave Gettleman to F up. So, I, it, I honestly, like, when I say it falls all on Daniel Jones, it does. Like, if Daniel Jones is the same as he was last year or is a hair worse or even, like, a slight hair better, Dave Gettleman's out. Like, he's done. I don't care... It all it all comes down to the quarterback. That's me. He's done great. Like he did a great job in this free agency. Did a very good job in the draft. 
it all comes down to Daniel Jones. If he's not as good as he should be, Dave Gettleman's gone. Yeah, it should be. I don't know if you want to call it a hot take, but that's just me. I don't know if that's really a hot take, but I think it's fair. Yeah. Problem with the division is you can have high expectations and still have a bad record and still make the playoffs. Right. So, if I were Giants, if I were Giants fans, I would have the expectation of going in. They should want, have, not they should expecting have expect- to compete. So. I think they need to be a playoff team. Um. All right. Next team, also with a new quarterback, the Indianapolis Colts. I don't love Carson Wentz. But oh. I love Frank Reich. Yeah, that is true. And Carson Wentz's quarterback coach or former quarterback coach when he was good in Philly is also in, Indian, in was, Indianapolis. Wasn't he the guy that we wanted as like a head coach a long time ago? I forget his name. Wasn't he in uh, John Filippo? Is that his name? No, that's not him. It's not? Oh, whatever. That was the old Vikings guy who then got fired by the Vikings. Oh, that's right. Um, the Colts, I think they're right there. At, I think they're 9-10 too. I think they compete for this division and win. I think they might even win the division, honestly. I think they're like a 10 or 11 win team. Yeah. I'd probably put them at 10. See, it's hard with this 9 to 10, 11 to 13 thing because, mm-hmm. like, I want to, like, do singles, but right. I think they're a 10 or an 11 win team. I just don't know if they up there with the Chiefs right now as the other only other team that we have 11 to 13. Their defense, I just don't trust Carson Lake. He's got to prove to me. They're just—I feel like they're—they're they're very. I think nine to ten is fair. Yeah, I'd probably put them at the upper tier of that and put them at ten. All right. But, um, yeah. All right. Next up, I think this team could overachieve this year. The Arizona Cardinals only went eight and eight last year. I think they're probably a nine to ten win team this year. Kyler just keeps making steps up. Who's their head coach? Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, duh, yeah. <laughs> who's the local? Who's the guy he looks like? Is it Ryan, it's not Ryan Reynolds, is it? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, um, they get J.J. Watt. That's fun. Chandler Jones, Zayvon Collins they drafted, Isaiah Simmons. Their, their defense is no slouch either. Yeah, I think they – I think 9-10 to 10 win teams good. Yeah, I think they're, they're – Maybe just below the eleven to thirteen yeah. wins because I think they're a really good team, mm-hmm. and Kyler just keeps, you know, pulling things out of his rear end. Yeah, but uh, I think nine to ten is fair. All right, this is a team where we're going to go off current circumstances. The Green Bay Packers. I think if Aaron Rodgers as of today, we have to put him at eleven to thirteen. Yeah, they're definitely the favorite in the NFC. Yeah, that's all. And then the next team, too, we'll put it 11-13. to 13. That's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Probably back-to-back, back, but... Yeah. You just said the the Packers are the favorite in the NFC. Yeah, it doesn't mean I didn't say they didn't win. Uh, that's true. Fair. <laughs> All right, next up, Chicago Bears. Oh, boy. Matt Nagy could be his last season in charge. Five to six. Just because, that, because the season means a lot to Matt Nagy. They're going to underachieve. He's going to get fired at the end of the year. I just have that feeling, just predicting. Just yeah, I was thinking more s- maybe 7-8, but I think 5-6 to six is fair, too. I still like even We have with- three teams from the NFC North and 5-6 <laughs> to six wins. They stink. They're not good. Yeah. Apparently, Fields is leading the 
quarterback race there. Apparently, they're quite uh, quite impressed. If they start him, I don't think it's a great idea. Guess we'll find out. All right, Whatever. next up, Cincinnati Bengals. Huh. I love me some Joe Burrow. I still think they're a couple of years away. I'd probably put them in five to six. Tough they, division. Yeah, they really didn't uh, upgrade the offensive line at all. They gave him uh, his, his college target, his favorite college target in Jamar Chase. Um, hmm. We have the, their uh, their division rivals at nine to ten wins, nine to ten wins. Three of the AFC North is also in nine to ten wins. How many games did Joe Burrow out last year? Remember, he missed a pretty decent chunk. I don't think it was decent chunk. Five to six. Yeah, that's where I'd put him too. <laughs> I think that's fair. I wanted to say seven to eight, just to I don't know. Or I don't know it. if they get there. All right, this next team, I think we might. I'd maybe put them on the top tier. Buffalo Bills. Eleven to thirteen. Yeah, that's where I'd put them too. They were three and thirteen last year. I say they're a game worse this year, maybe. You just said they were three and thirteen last year. 13 <laughs> I knew exactly what you meant. It was just I wish they were three and thirteen <laughs> last year. All right, this is a interesting, interesting team here. The Jacksonville Jaguars. There's already some uh, interesting things going on there with the whole Tim Tebow move. If he I was Trevor Lawrence, I wouldn't wouldn't be thrilled with them bringing in Tim Tebow. He's playing tight end. Still, it's just. And you know what? As much as people say it's like a publicity thing, I think it's more Tebow's been around Urban Meyer. Maybe he's just there to, like, keep Urban Meyer's heart rate down. Yes, but (laughs) also, like, help Trevor out in the style of how Urban Meyer coaches. You know? I don't know. (sighs) I think, like... They already want to move. They don't want to give ETN any reps at running back in training camp. They want to only play him at wide receiver. I mean, look what they have at wide receiver. Chark, Marvin Jones, and LaVisca Chenault. Chenault was okay last year for a rookie. He was okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I still don't agree with that ETN pick. With You had James Robinson there. Their defense, Josh Allen, Miles Jack, Chase on. I don't know. They're like... I think the Jacksonville Jaguars care more about asses and seats more than wins. Yeah, I think they're three to four. Yeah, they're yeah. As much as I love, not as bad as, as much Houston. as I love Trevor, they probably could win five games, but they'll get some juice from Etn and Trevor combo. But that's really it. Yeah, they didn't look anywhere near winning last year. So no. I know they fired the head coach. You bring in obviously the new quarterback, but. And as much as we love Trevor here, I just don't know if he uh, he can carry a team that much in his rookie season. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, the Washington football team. Won the division last year. They did. Ryan Fitzpatrick, at quarterback, they'll be good for s- max five weeks. Maybe. I don't know. They have a good – their defense is very good. Yeah. Ron Rivera is a fantastic head coach. Yep. Terry McLaurin probably gonna have another good. Added Curtis Samuel too. Adam Humphreys. I think they're they're really good. Who's our top AFC or NFC East team right now? The, the Giants. Giants seven eight wins. We haven't done the Cowboys yet. Mm. Yeah, I'll put them at seven eight wins. Yeah, I think that's fair. They're right around that eight to nine win. Because even if Fitz blows chunks after like six <laughs> weeks, that's a defense that can carry them. Yeah. I agree. 
Um, all right, now getting to the other NFC East team, the Dallas Cowboys. If you ever think about it, why are the Cowboys in the NFC East? But so what the cookie crumbles, pal. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Dak not having that chip on his shoulder from wanting a contract may play a part because now he's got a big contract. Now he's comfortable. He doesn't have really anything to prove. Even though he's coming off an injury, so he may have something to prove. But I don't know. Uh, they definitely have the weapons, especially if Dak's going to be healthy. Zeke, Cooper, Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. Um, defense is, you know, is fine. Their secondary is probably their weakest link there. Um, if Dak's going to be healthy, I think they're definitely a 9-10 yeah, team. Yeah, I would put them at 9-10. I just think their offense is too good to not be at least nine wins in a 17-game season. Leighton Vanderash, Jalen Smith, and Micah Parsons at 32. Yeah. They just have it. I don't know what it is, but they just can never. They always, you know, have good good rosters on paper. They just never can put it together. And give Jerry Jones credit. They kind of draft well. Who'd they take this year? Micah Parsons. Yeah. Kind of fell to them. Drafted, fell in their lap. Drafted Vanderesh. Drafted uh, Jalen Smith. Drafted Dak. Drafted Z. Lyle Collins. Uh, that all whole offensive line. Yeah. Give Jerry Jones credit. He's he's a fucking wackadoo, but yeah, they do draft well. All right, this team didn't get the quarterback. <sighs> Who did they take? They took uh, the guy from Georgia, the corner from Georgia, didn't they? Yeah. What was his name? Was it Sertan? It was Sertan. They took. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I thought they took the guy from Georgia. The corner from Georgia first. I think it was her. Why can't I find it? Okay. Um. Yeah, they took Sertan, right? Yeah. Oh. All right, well, they didn't take the quarterback. They still have Drew Locke. What do we think the, the Denver Broncos will be? Drew Locke will lose his job. Teddy Bridgewater will come in and get screwed again the next year because the Broncos are going to be bad and draft the quarterback next year. Uh, Five to six. They'll probably find a way to to win a game. Another uninteresting team that takes them out of the uh, not having to trade up a uh, category for quarterback. Mm-hmm. But all right, another team with a new quarterback, the Rams with Matt Stafford. Is Stafford and McVay gonna mesh? I think so. They met in freaking whatever Caribbean island that was before he was even traded there. Deshaun Jackson's on the on the Rams. Okay, news to me too. Aaron Donald probably going to be a defensive player of the year again. Um, The division, tough. Seahawks. uh, Rams are probably the third best team in that division. Which is crazy to think after they made that Super Bowl run. Yeah. I'll go 7 to 8. Yeah, they're probably at the 8 win range here. I think they're an 8 or 9 win team. I don't know how they won 10 games last year. Yeah, they have, what, the Seahawks, the Cardinals. And the 49ers. And the 49ers. Yeah, I think 7-8 is probably fair. I think the Niners are probably the 7-win team. The Rams are the 8-win team. Um, I, I think there's definitely room for improvement here. I think this is kind of their floor. Right here, 7-8. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely room that there could be more because, you know, Robert Woods and um, Cooper, Cup. Cooper Cup. Who's their tight end? It was Gerald Everett. Tyler Higby. Oh. 
their running backs are Daryl Henderson. Uh, they had they had some other guys that Cam they makers. Yeah, they had some other guys that they rotated in, but yeah, well, let's see if McVay can work his magic and bring the old quarterback uh, some success. All right, we're down to the final three here. Next up is uh, the best rookie quarterback from a season ago, Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Love me some Herbie. Chargers are a 9-10 win team this year. Wow. Who else is in that division? Where do we have everyone else? Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs. Yeah, so I I could see it. I think Herbert takes another step forward. Who's their head coach? They just hired someone new. Brandon Staley. Yeah, there it is. So um we have a lot of nine to ten win teams here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All worthy of ten wins though. Yeah, I mean this is on paper too. Obviously it's not gonna happen like this because the NFL's the NFL and it's wacky, but there's probably going to be some team here that we have at five to six that somehow wins nine games too. Yeah, probably. Um, all right, our beloved New York Jets. Mm, definitely not two and fourteen this year. I think they're probably in the. F- I don't really want to put them in the five to six wins, but I think that's they where are. they fit. The schedule isn't terrible. There's really no like gauntlet. No. I mean, the London trip sucks. And then the but they do get the buy after that. Yeah, but that's such an early buy. Week six buy, an eighteen week season. But maybe that'll let Zach Wilson reset. Yeah. If he has a tough start. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, we're gonna break down the schedule, so I don't want to get too into it. But I think they could start out really well. the The beginning of their schedule is very favorable. Yeah, they got Panthers and Patriots first two weeks. Yeah. Then they play the Broncos. I think in there. They play another kind of bad team, I think, too, in the beginning. I mean, so. Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta. We think is going to be yeah. a five to six win team. So yeah, that's the other. One. That's the other one I'm thinking of. They play a really good. I think they might play the Colts in that stretch too. And there's one game that's like a definite loss in that first five game stretch. Yeah, you know, uh, Carol. The first five weeks: Carolina, New England, Detroit, uh, Denver, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee, Atlanta. I think five to six is fair. Um. I mean, there's just there's so much to talk about. First year Robert Sala, Zach Wilson, new offense, new new everything. But literally anything above two wins is an improvement. So Yeah. Can only go up. All right. For our heart's sake. Um last, maybe at least. <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders. Unfortunately I don't think they like what is going on with them and Derek Carr? I don't really know. I think they probably fluke themselves into seven to eight wins. I think that's their ceiling. It seems like they do every year now. Yeah, they're in the middle of mediocrity. And a passionate fan base. Like, people love the Raiders. I love to gamble on the Raiders. I love John Gruden. But, like... Spider 2Y Banana. Yeah, should be able to bet on how many times Spider 2Y Banana or other forms are called during a game. Yeah, they're the definition of mediocrity. Like... They're in such a good division. That's their problem. Now that the Chargers are better than them. Yeah. They don't really have, like, a great defense either. Like, they just, they reached on some defensive, like, Cleveland Farrell. Yeah. Um, they drafted the uh, the tackle this year from Alabama that we were like, what the heck? Oh, uh, yeah. I forget his name. Mediocre at best, the Raiders. Yeah, I put 70. But, oh, Islanders win. Good. Wow, that's great timing right before we're done. <laughs> 
Islanders take game five. They have a 3-2 series lead heading into the Nassau Coliseum for game uh, six to wrap it up. That's going to be one heck of a venue to be in. Did you see how the Islander, this will we'll end on, hello Kyle Palmieri. Um, <laughs> did you see how the Islanders sat their fans at the game the other day? No. They did it kind of like, so one one like section of seats or one set of sections behind one of the goals was like completely empty. So we're like the left side of a hockey rink. Those like three or four sections, however many sections span behind the behind the goal, were like completely empty. The rest of the sections completely full. Really? It was weird. Huh. It was very weird. It didn't really seem to make much sense, but that's how they did it. I don't know if those were supposed to be the vaccinated and unvaccinated sections, but uh, oh, Josh Bailey in our former intro. Hey, Josh Bailey. Does Travis Sajak ah. play for the Islanders like ever? I think I didn't see him in the celebration, but I they I also tried to look once and they don't post their lineups pregame. Really? So that's probably like a Lou thing. Don't want to, <laughs> don't want to give him the upper edge. No fun. Yeah. So right. I think they've heard us talking about. Yeah, and I've talked enough, too. It's 10.35. I'm tired, and as much fun as this is, I kind of want to go to bed. Me, too. <laughs> you, you have all, to drive home, too. You all know where to find us. Ilya Sorokin, 48 saves on 50 shots. That's quite the day. They have some good goalies, Varlamov and Sorokin. You guys know where to find us, TSSB Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Check out the other podcasts on the network, would you? Sorry if this wasn't our best. We're tired. Had a long day. Scott played a lot of golf, and uh, I have allergies, so there. (laughs) Go Yankees. Go Knicks. Go Nets. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Namaste, and keep listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Goodbye! I'm half your soul, soul. I love your corners. I'm half your soul, soul. I love your corners. I'm half your soul, soul.